Are you offering your clients the experience they really want? Or are you offering them what you think they want? Join hosts Laura Gregg and David Partain from FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds as they talk with a variety of industry experts and advisors just like you about their latest industry research to help you develop the flexible mindset you need to rise above the crowd. We can't escape seeing all of the people coming to the rescue these days. Whether it's the doctors, nurses, and other hospital staff on the front line, or grocery clerks, postal workers, and the folks fulfilling orders at Amazon. There are so many people making an impact in this important time. I'm Patrice Sikora with Laura Gregg and David Partain of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds. In this Flexible Advisor podcast, they look at the financial advisory community and the people helping everyone through this. Hello and welcome to the Flexible Advisor podcast. This is Laura Gregg. It's really going to be hard to think of the COVID-19 pandemic without remembering it as a time when Zoom meetings became an integral part of so many of our lives. While we quickly transitioned to working remotely on a dime, Zoom became part of the pandemic vernacular. It kept us connected. It allowed us to meet our family members, our coworkers, and gave us a glimpse into their non-work selves. I remember seeing a kitchen remodel from one of our partners, David. But then we started seeing articles about Zoom fatigue and the idea that more conference calls may be what we need after months of working remotely and with video. In today's episode, we speak with Bev Flaxington. Bev is a personal and career coach and a business development expert. She shares what she's hearing from advisors about their successes and frustrations with the varying pandemic communication styles. We'll talk to her about what we might think about doing differently to keep our teams connected without being too intrusive. We'll also discuss how these modes of communication may need to change as firms transition from a fully remote to maybe only a partially remote workforce. Bev is a three-time best-selling and gold award-winning author, a certified behavioral and values analyst, and she has spent her entire career in the investment and financial services industry. She holds two patents for a program she created for one of the largest mutual fund companies in the world on succession planning for advisors. Bev has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Investment News, Solutions Magazine for the FPA, and hundreds of other media outlets. Bev, I can say that I have thoroughly enjoyed working with you in the past, and I'm so delighted that you could join us today on the Flexible Advisor podcast. Thank you for being here. Oh, I'm so happy to be joining you, Laura. It's my honor. Okay, well, I have to say before we get started that it wasn't my kitchen that was getting redone, okay? It was somebody else on my team. So, Laura. (laughs) And it was lovely. And it was lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. Well, Bev, your advice column and advisor perspectives is read by many every week, including me. And essentially, through the column, you're helping advisors navigate difficult situations, which, uh, yeah, this is one of those. So I can only guess that there have been many questions coming in about how to communicate better while remote. Am I right? 
You are right. And, you know, it's such a variety, too, of things that advisors are dealing with. I've heard everything from where you might have somebody who's running a firm and they're, you know, they're an extrovert and they want to chat and they want to get their team members on the phone and they want to check in and talk to them. And meantime, the advisors are saying, but we're already on Zoom all day with our clients and we don't really want to join again to talk about things. I think that you you're seeing some things where maybe it's a comment that gets made that's not as appropriate of a comment or somebody might, one of my advisors was telling me, she's a a younger advisor, she's got the kids at home, and one of her colleagues made a comment about her inability to quote unquote control her children. There's so many different pieces where this is starting to become this merger of professional and really personal stuff. And it's tough to figure out how to navigate that. Ouch. Control your children. That is, that's unbelievable. But you can see under stress why things would come out like that. So how are you advising these advisors on what they can do to better engage their employees and teammates, given that there are people that are introverts versus extroverts and otherwise? This is really where it gets so interesting, David, around understanding the different communication styles and preferences of people on your team, right, your own colleagues, as well as your clients. So I think that there is a couple of nice opportunities here to be able to go out to clients, let's start with them, and say, here's all the different options that we would have for communication. We can simply email you, we can bring you on to these webinars, we can Zoom with you, we can do this with you. Which of those things that uh, you would find most valuable? There is this opportunity for outreach and giving a limited number of options, but sometimes we call it the menu of options, and then letting clients choose. Inside the team, it becomes so much more important to really be able to be honest in a professional and respectful way to say what level of interaction are you comfortable with right now? If we're going to come together, what's going to be the purpose of the discussion? Do we have an agenda? Are we getting together just because we said this was on the calendar or do we have a meaningful reason to get together? So I feel like it ups the ante on not only that level of understanding of whom you're working with and getting to know them a little bit more, but also on the other side of organization, clarity around what that communication is, et cetera. There's such an opportunity embedded in this to up your game around communication, but it is going to take some focus and you have to be thoughtful about it. I agree. I have been given and tried to give a measure of grace, especially during this time. It's really interesting with my team because you have on my team four other members besides myself who are all very different and different civilizations, so to speak. And so you're coming with expectations. And so we would, at the start, we would meet once a week. And then it really felt to me like it wasn't enough. And so we've gone to every day and we were going an hour a day And then it was like, wow, that's too much. And so how about an hour, one day a week, and then 30 minutes every day after that? I'll tell you, it's it's actually one of the best times of my week, but it is, everybody is different. And when the workload and the stress hits you where you need grace, it is 
always interesting to see reactions of myself and other other people but giving that sort of grace is really important during this time I would just add another thing that I think was so important that you just noted, David, which is I think we have to be a little bit outside the box around what we think about as what a meeting should be. So you should come together once a week or every meeting should be scheduled for one hour. Well, maybe it's a 15-minute check-in a couple of times a week. Or maybe it's somebody who normally runs the meeting hands that over to somebody else. Or maybe it's not everyone getting together, but a couple of people getting together and then coming back and maybe sending an email update. I, I I think you keyed on something so important, which is a little bit of this is practicing and trying to figure out what actually works best for our team, but staying open to the fact that you might do things very differently than the way you would if you were all sitting in the office together. I do have to say, like before we started, before COVID, I did not like video conferencing at all. And then David said, well, we're going to video conference every day. And I thought, oh my goodness. But I have enjoyed it. It bridges that gap of not seeing anybody. And and honestly, most of my other engagements are on the phone. And David, I think you've done a good job with being able to, today I had something and I couldn't join, not a big deal, but the, the meeting went on. And so we have some flexibility and I think that's been really important for us. Yeah, um, that's a, it but, was a bummer that you couldn't make it, Laura, because we gave out uh, steak dinners to everyone, but that's no big deal. <laughs> darn it, darn it. Just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, we're obviously a couple months into this pandemic, and the majority, I would guess, are still working remotely. What have you noticed that's changed? And like I said, I was very opposed to video conferencing before this, and now I'm I'm growing more fond of it. Have advisors been kind of pushed to figure out that digital stuff and the remote communications, and how are they doing with it? You know, it's funny. I was just having a conversation this morning with an advisor client of ours, and, and we were talking about how you almost have to step back and take a deep breath to realize how quickly we have had a wholesale change in the way that we do business in this industry. I mean, it, it, it is in a way stunning <laughs> to think about yeah, absolutely. where we were in February and where we are here in, in May. So we had heard from a number of, especially our larger clients, that there were uh, technology glitches that came along. Sometimes I think just a system overload the training and the, the backups and whatnot were never intended to have everybody working remotely. And now here we are. And we've seen a, a very quick movement where a lot of that has stabilized. The technology is pretty strong. I was talking to a client actually today. He was saying that they've had some problems with their phone systems that are also internet-based just because, again, of the overload. So you have the actual technology issue, which is do we have the best technology? Technology? Is it working well? Can it support what we need to do? And I think most people have moved to the point where that's pretty good. But on the other side of it, it is really leveraging that and making sure that you're using it most effectively. 
One of the things that I think is a a bit of an obstacle, if you will, is that people are on their computer now for all day working. You may be homeschooling. You may be taking classes. I just finished teaching the graduate class that I teach at Suffolk University, and my students would say, by nighttime, they were just exhausted from staring at their computers all day. Then having to attend class was very challenging. I think that part is hard because this is our only medium now. It's either phone or Zoom or WebEx, et cetera. And so it's making sure, again, that you're using it effectively, but you're taking breaks, that you're finding other ways to communicate and not really wearing yourself out (laughs) all day long and then into the evening with the same medium over and over. I think it's fantastic, actually, because we all know that our industry was a little bit slow to uh, embrace digital, and so we were kind of all forced into it. Are we there in Zoom fatigue, and what impact have you been hearing that it's had on employees? And are the advisors you're talking to, what are they telling you, and are they telling you they, they wish things were different? It's so interesting to me how many people have change their thinking around the fact that a remote workforce can be a very productive workforce. And I was having a conversation with an advisor this week. Their company is in significant growth mode. And we were talking even about the impact on real estate. They were about to purchase this other element in the building that they were in, like another area that they were going to have to uh, rip out and redo, et cetera. And, And he's saying to me, I don't even know, like, do I bring them all back? Why do I bring them all back? They're being quite productive the way that they are. I think that first we're going to have this big HR shift, if you will, around do we actually need to have everybody in the office together? It Does that make the most sense? Financially, economically, could it be better for us to allow them to work independently from their own homes? And the same thing for the client. If I can see my advisor and they're talking to me on screen and they're delivering the information that maybe they sent it to me in advance, we're looking at it together. Why do I need that advisor to get on a plane or drive two hours to my home to be able to have a meeting? I think that there's this whole productivity piece that could come out of this. We did a survey over the course of this COVID period. We wanted to reach out to our advisor clients and prospects and ask them if what we were doing has been relevant and helpful to them. And then we added a couple questions in there that was kind of a an add-on to a, a survey we had done about building teams and hiring, which we did pre-COVID. And we asked, in this environment, are you still actively hiring and will you be when we are coming out of this? And more than 40% of firms said that, yes, they were, which we thought was great news. And then we asked about whether or not they were going to revise or revisit their work from home policies, and more than 50% said that, that yes, they would. And I think this is really in stark contrast to stuff I was hearing before COVID. So I think it's good news. 
I think so, too. And it's going to be interesting, Laura, because I think the challenge is going to be to figure out what is that right balance. I, I had an advisor this morning, and in her firm, they partner together. And she was saying, it's been so easy to go into my cocoon. And back to your point about, you know, Zoom fatigue, it's like, I'm saving all that for clients. I don't really have the, the energy to do this with my colleague. And, and she said, it's so much easier for us when we're there in person and we can just kind of grab each other, go in a conference room. So it's going to be interesting to see because I think there'll be productivity pieces, there'll be flexibility pieces, there'll be uh, growth opportunities. But I don't know, do we want to really fully move away from that ability to be in the office with someone and be able to brainstorm? So that's the part that's going to be, I think, interesting to watch how that all unfolds. As a manager myself, I look at this and I've told my team and Laura's, of course, on that team, I would be willing to work from home four days a week and come into the office once a week. That two hour commute time every day is somewhat of a wasted time. I'm actually finding that I'm way more productive. I'm actually also finding that I'm putting in way more hours, frankly, because that commute time is now sitting at the desk time. How can a manager be sensitive to all this that is going on? I am sure Laura wants me to hear the answer to this, but how can I be more sensitive (laughs) to this? There's a couple of factors that I would say. One is, and, and you used the word earlier, which I like a lot, David, the idea of grace. And one is recognizing that while people can be very productive, they're not having their normal commute that would wear them out. There is this other level, though, of stress that is associated with all of it. I, I talked to a person, a client yesterday, and she got on the phone, and, and I was like, oh my goodness, are you okay? And, and you know, she just started to go on. She's got a young son and trying to occupy him. You know, there's no nanny around, et cetera, et cetera. And I think there's also this level of it's depression for some people. It's concern. They may be dealing with family illness, worried about what's happened to family members. The manager, I think, wants to do less, call it like correctional coaching, <laughs> less like performance feedback right now, and be more just kind of human and available. And hey, if you need a break, hey, if you if you just simply don't want to come to this meeting right now, I'll follow up with you. But but just to be respectful and recognize that for many people, this is pressure cooker kind of situation. That's one big one, recognizing the level of stress. The second thing really is the you know, it's almost like you think about there's a level I, I had to attend because of the uh, class I teach a, a graduation earlier today. And it's just the idea of, oh, boy, I had asked Laura earlier, you know, are we going to be on screen? Because I said, I don't know if I, you know, I won't have to brush my hair if we don't. But then I remembered <laughs> I had to I had to show up for this graduation. So I was like, oh, shoot. But it sounds silly and simple. But even that, David, from what's the expectation of your team members? Do they all? have to come on camera? Uh, Is everybody expected to talk? Uh, What do you exactly want from them in the meeting? Is there a purpose that they have? I think that piece too, just being aware that there's other factors that come into play that make every every next step we're going to take a little bit more complicated than when we're sitting in the office and you can just stop in and 
I've already brushed my hair because I knew I had to be in here with everybody else. So, but it's a different world and, and recognizing that and being sensitive to that and reminding your team members that you do recognize that was really, really important. You know, we talk about it, the EQ, it's, it, it's really being able to increase that emotional intelligence, listen more <laughs> and, and, and cut people probably a little bit more breaks than you might under normal circumstances. Yeah, that I totally agree with that because we just have to, all of us have those things in the back of our mind now that may be causing that stress. So I totally agree with you. I appreciate that answer. And Laura, you can count on me to be more graceful in the future. <laughs> I have no complaints. No complaints. Uh, thank you. Uh, it is interesting though. I have read in the New York Times, there was a headline that Manhattan will never be the same as large organizations are really doing what you said, which is trying to decide should they come back to the office. We've talked to a lot of those firms who are planning to bring back people to the office, but they're doing it in phases. And many have told us that there are some employees who may never return to the office, as I mentioned. So what implications will this have for the communication styles and choices that we have out there? Yes. In fact, one of our firms said they see returning as a two-year process. I think what some of the complexity that's going to come out of it and considerations are going to be around Back to that example I gave of being able to just maybe grab your colleague, we're going to go in a conference room, we're going to brainstorm some things. I think that teams and working together and, as you said, David, kind of as a manager, thinking about pulling your team together, that's going to require a lot more thought and a lot more organization than it has in the past if we don't return to everybody's either at home or everybody's in the workplace. I was just talking about this with my dean on teaching because we were talking about do we have hybrids and what's the implication of that? And you can't necessarily have the discussions or the role plays or the breakouts that you want to do sometimes in the office together if some people are at home and some aren't. So I think it's just that diligence and that thoughtfulness around what does success look like to us here? What are we trying to accomplish? And then how do we pull people together in order to best do that? One of the things we really recommend and we like is employee surveys and just making sure that you're doing that pulse check. What would make people feel confident? Sometimes you have to be careful with privacy issues, but some people might have more of a concern because they live with a compromised person or their health is compromised. I think just having choice and being able to query people on what they're comfortable with, what steps they would take, but then giving people more choice. But it does up the ante for the leader, for the manager, for whomever it is that's organizing that team to make sure we're not leaving somebody out. We all know what that feels like, right? How many people have had the experience that you're the only one that day that can call in and everybody else is sitting in the room together and spend all your time just trying to find that break so that you can say something while they're all talking to each other. So it's hard if I'm the only one working from home and you've all gone back to the office, I'm likely going to get left out. How do we make sure that people are represented? 
And maybe it is more broad Zoom or WebExes where you have people on screen, but we're going to have to really get more thoughtful. We just take so much for granted now about grabbing people together. And I personally get excited about the idea that every meeting you're going to think it through, going to think what you want to get out of it, who should be in it, what's their contribution going to be. And then that's going to help whether they're in the office or not in the office with how they can be able to be a part of things. With regard to that, human nature, the feeling or the potential feeling of being excluded. We were we were talking about return to the office and one of our other guests brought up the fact that even conference rooms, the whole dynamic there is going to shift where you had a room that could accommodate five or ten or fifteen, you're probably gonna cut have to cut that back in order to provide the right amount of spacing. And so even if everybody is in the office or a majority of people are in the office, they may not even be able to be in the same conference room just because of the social distance that we'll need to keep. It provides a lot of thoughts that you would never think of in the past, but how will we deal with, are we going to Zoom people that are at a desk outside of the conference room? Just a lot of considerations. I see that, Laura, as such opportunity. I feel like in a lot of my work, we just hear so much about yeah, my my term for it is meeting mania, companies where you, people are literally going all day long from one meeting to another meeting to another meeting, and oftentimes without even the ability to digest what went on at that meeting before now I'm going into the next one. Part of this gets me a little bit excited because what if we could actually more have this attitude that, okay, it's not so easy as just saying, hey, let's all get in. We're all going to talk about this, but you'd have to be use critical thinking. Who really needs to attend? And what should our follow-up be? And should we always be running these meetings the same way? It could be fewer meetings, shorter meetings. Heck, people might just come in and stand up around the room so that they're only there for 20 minutes instead of an hour in the seat. I see that as potentially a positive thing that could come out of it. A chance to step back and think about something that we're, we just are so immune to even thinking about it out of the box. And now it forces us to have to do it. I get excited about that piece and the potential change that could come from it. Well, you're, you're a change maker, so uh, that doesn't surprise me. But so, so speaking of that, speaking of thinking of things in through a different lens, what steps should advisors be taking now to ensure that they're using the right communication channels to be able to create that open and inclusive and very different environment as we move out of this phase. We often talk about the idea of having consistency in your message but delivering it in a variety of different ways. We all know, of course, adult learning principles tell us that we all take in information differently. We learn it differently. So I'm a a big fan of short kind of to the point 
communication. Come up with, an, whether it's an email to the team, whether it's an email to a client, but what is the, what's the topic that you're trying to communicate? Where are you aiming? And then bullet points about what you're trying to communicate and then potentially a follow-up if the client wants to have a call or again, the team member wants to have a call or they'd like to have a Zoom meeting to talk about something in more detail. If you do it that way, you're going to have a more productive interaction because you've given them something to think about, to digest in advance. I mentioned employee surveys earlier, and I'd go back to that, just the idea of, you know, what are we doing right? Where do we need to improve? And lately, we're seeing a lot of people just, whether it's 10 minutes on the calendar, 15 minutes on the calendar, we're seeing, though, that short check-in just to ask, how are you doing? What are you worried about? What else could the firm be doing? And don't overlook the idea of just short messages, an audio recording, a video message, just to say, I'm thinking about you and what can I do to help? Fletcher's is part of Northern Trust and I a shameless plug, but I think a plug that's well-deserved. Northern Trust has just done, in my opinion, a phenomenal job of communicating with their employees during this time. There are the video messages. There are the the surveys on how we're feeling. Every management meeting starts with with the employee front and center thanking us for our commitment, hoping that we're doing well, providing resources. And I love the organization before, but coming through this, it, it makes me really feel like a very valued person and I value the care and concern that they're showing to us. David, I I think you feel the same way, but they sure seem to get any right in my opinion. Very much, Laura. It uh, is nice, nice to hear someone who's on your team. Well, we are, have loved our time with you, Bev, and we really appreciate you coming in and spending time with us today. It's my pleasure, and I think this is going to be something that's going to continue to unfold. Kudos to you all for doing these podcasts and bringing this information out to people, because I think everyone is kind of hungry to learn something new and figure out what they can do with it as the world changes around us. Thanks a lot, Ben. Thank you for listening to the Flexible Advisor Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. 
We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice. Please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.